Jim Rome. One last Happy New Year. Nice to have you here. We go back-to-back to to start this second hour. Coming up next segment, I've got the head basketball coach at BYU, Mark Pope. They're off to one of their best starts ever. Telephone number is toll-free. If you're on hold, stay there. If not, you can get through. There's one line open, toll-free, 1-800-636-8686. As promised, we're joined right now by a columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle. He is also a partner at Backstage Media. He is also an author of several books, including Rice, which profiles Jerry Rice. Previously worked at NFL Network, Yahoo Sports, and of course, SI. We are joined right now by Mike Silver. Mike, what's going on? How are you? Great, too. How are you, man? Good, dude. Good. Great to have you back. Thanks so much. Mike, let me start here. I've always, always gotten a kick out of the tremendous access and relationships you have with players, but seeing you and George Kittle and a few of his teammates watching the final seconds of the Eagles losing on your phone in the tunnel at FedEx Field, I thought was tremendous. And that showed when the Niners clinched the top seed. How did that actually come to be? It was a really cool moment. Uh, I was in that tunnel as their game was ending. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I have a book deadline right now. I really wanted a buy and some home games for me. Uh, so I was, I was very interested in the outcome of Eagles Cardinals. And I was watching on my phone. John Lynch, the general manager, saw me. He wanted to know what was going on. He kind of came over. And then Debo was running off and sort of corner of his eye saw us and wanted to know the score and then got very, very excited. It was just really cool to see Debo Samuel, George Kittle, these guys who worked so hard who I've watched go through these emotions, uh, you know, to get to this point, just kind of act like a combination of little kids and sports fans who have no power but are just waiting for uh, a reason to celebrate, and uh, it, it worked out for all of us, including me, who needed the buy. <laughs> I think that's a great description. Mike Silver joining us. So, Mike, I don't know how many different ways I can ask this question, but I keep asking it because seemingly it won't go away. Question being, every week seems to bring some sort of referendum on Brock Purdy, who bounced back from his four-INT game against the Ravens to set the Niners' new single-season passing yardage record on Sunday. Obviously, this dude is so much more than a game manager. In your opinion, how much of his success is based on his skill set, and how much of it comes from playing in Kyle Shanahan's system? I mean, I may be influenced by the fact that I've been around it the whole time a lot, but I think he's unbelievably good and people are so uh, immersed in the, the power of the draft and their belief that the draft is transformative and the coverage of the draft and a cottage industry of who's going to be drafted uh, that they're missing it. Um, Yeah. He was drafted 262nd and last. And in a lot of people's minds, that means he's not good enough to lead a team or be a frontline player. But what I've seen is a guy who came in with swag, carried himself like he belonged, uh, has made gutsy throws, uh, not just been a robot. You know, he's executing a great system hand runs, uh, probably the most sophisticated and strategically advanced system that there is. And you've got unbelievable skill players that he can get the ball to, but 
he's also making off-schedule plays, using his mobility, and taking risks. And I, I just think people are missing it, Jim. He, he did have a four-interception game against the Ravens. I think if you look at most young quarterbacks who ended up being great in their first 20-ish starts, they have games like that. But uh, I had no belief that he would be phased. And remember, he's come back from a potentially ruinous injury to his throwing arm already. Like, this this kid doesn't seem to get overly phased by the negative or the positive, but I think he's just a stone-cold killer out there. I do too, Mike. And not only that, let's face it, other young quarterbacks have played in that system and not done nearly as well. And I've talked to enough of his teammates. I mean, you cover that team, so you know, but I've had enough of his teammates on this show who absolutely love the guy. So I'm pro Purdy. I think the guy's a hell of a player. Let me ask you about the Ravens who you mentioned. They've got, Mike Silver's my guest, they've got the best record in the league right now. They were dominant in back-to-back wins over the Niners and the Dolphins. Like, Mike, I would anoint them as the ones to beat, but every time I do that in this wacky season, it comes back to bite me in the back. So let me ask you, are the Ravens the most complete team in the league right now? And in your opinion, are they the ones to beat? Yeah, and I just saw them on Christmas night, you know, really give it to the 49ers. And I know a lot of people have said, well, there were turnovers and look at the yardage. No, they they made those plays. They got the ball. They didn't need the yards. They they were up 21 points late on a 49ers team that is also in that conversation. So, yeah, what a a great job they've done. Uh, They got a little lucky organizationally. They were playing with fire with, Lamar, but um, wow, it is just, it's been so good. He's been so good. Quick shout out to all the coaches and GMs who either have been fired or will be fired who didn't want Lamar when he was there for the taking. And I know there were, wasn't a, an easy thing to get done, but people didn't take that swing and it's laughable. So yeah, the Ravens just dropped 56 on Fangio and before that took apart the Niners at home. They are absolutely the team to beat. Uh, I did believe going into the season that the 49ers, with reasonably good health, uh, were the best team. And they, because of the bye, and that's one reason those guys were so happy, they really, really craved it. Uh, Because of that bye, they have a chance to be relatively healthy, at least going into their first game. And to me, they are the class of the NFC. I think the Eagles are done, for example. So you never know what's going to happen to these games. They're very tight. Uh, calls happen, tip balls. You know me, Jim, I've been at Miracles, Music City, Minnesota, the play, all of it. So uh, I, I can't tell you for sure what's going on, but to me, the Ravens and 49ers have not only earned those seeds, but they've earned the the role as presumptive favorite. We are talking to Mike Silver. Mike, you mentioned Philadelphia, so let me follow that up quickly. They may not have been what their record said they were, but man, they are a disaster right now. How did that thing unravel as quickly and as badly as it did? Yeah, it's a great question, and I'd like to kind of dig into it. Um, you know, I'm very preoccupied reporting on the 49ers and doing this book, and uh, I haven't been as nationally attuned to some of these things in my own mind at least, but let's take a stab at it. Cause I know a lot of these people and what's going on. Um, you know, I, I think seriously, there's a good and a bad, the, the fake tough guy. I'm the Philly guy. 
guy. We are emotional. We're, you know, kind of going to overwhelm you with our street cred. You know, that vibe can be really good and really bad. And, you know, I, I covered a game there where uh, a security guard who was standing next to the coach as he did his fake tough guy act, in my opinion, uh, you know, pushed Trey Greenlaw, which Big Dom, I mean, he may be the bravest guy in NFL history pushing Dre Greenlaw in uniform, knowing what I know about his mentality and how, how on the edge he plays. So, I, I don't know. I, they had all that swag, and then when you kind of start to lose it, that can kind of hurt you, and you get into a weird emotional tailspin the other way. And Jalen Hurts is so transcendent so often and really was a lot in those first 11 games. But he's a young quarterback, too, and I think he's playing more hurt than he's letting on. And, you know, just as Brock Purdy threw four picks on Christmas night, Jalen Hurts is still working through what I believe will be his ultimate greatness. Uh, and then, you know, they haven't figured it out uh, on defense to the point where Matt Patricia, who I think we would all agree miscast as he was, was the worst assistant coach in the NFL in 2022. He was the offensive coordinator, essentially, in New England. And it was a disaster. Defense is his specialty, but he's your emergency defensive coordinator, and now you can't stop a Cardinals team that is coached by your former defensive coordinator. Uh, I, I think if you're in the NFC, you are trying to do the math to figure out a way to play the Eagles in your first game. You're like, how truth. can I get Philly? I don't care if it's in Philly. I don't care if I'm in the NFC South. I just want a piece of the Eagles. That's an incredible statement, right? Like, who would have thought a few weeks back that that would be the team that you would want to play, and you don't care where it is, but that's the team you want. You know, Mike, you mentioned your book. Now, you and I have known each other a long, long time. I mentioned off the top that you wrote the book Rice, but you and I go far enough back that we remember the Dennis Rodman years, the Rodman book. I got to know, man, what's the new book? Well, don't forget the Kurt Warner book, but 21 years later, they actually made into a major motion picture. And, I, Jim, I think about that a lot because of Purdy. Not that it's quite as improbable, uh, but similarly, don't be fooled by the nice guy persona. Like, Kurt was an assassin, and I think there's some similarities with Purdy. So, Jim, the new book is a look at Mike Shanahan and then that, that group that he spawned, uh, including, and obviously a big part of it is Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel, Matt LaFleur, Raheem Morris, and a lot of these guys who, who I believe are changing the game and have a different way of doing it. And I've been on this for a long time. I've, I know all those people really well. I, they're all very different, and they're all a little out there. But uh, I've got great access, and I'm going to take people into that world and, and explain to them why this coaching crew is different and transformative. I love it. I love it. I love that you get a project like that and you're still hitting it that hard at this high level. Really quickly, Mike. So, Mike Shanahan, how and why is he not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, that's a, that's an omission. I, and I, I hope when people read this book that they'll feel that even more because I saw him back when I was covering the 49ers for newspapers, and I've come full circle now after all that. Uh, you know, he came in as the offensive coordinator after Mike Holmgren left in 1992. Joe Montana got 
injured for the second consecutive preseason. It's Steve Young, who was a ultra-talented player but was not Joe and was really still rough around the edges in a lot of ways, uh, really became a different guy under Mike Shanahan. And, and I saw Steve go through that, and I kind of understood why. He then, after three years there and that great Super Bowl win over the Chargers, became the Broncos head coach, changed John Elway's career trajectory, uh, took outside zone principles and merged it with what he knew now from the West Coast offense and um, created a system that still, uh, it's been evolved and it's, it's definitely uh, modern now, but it, it created a system that's the template for a lot of the, the greatness we see out there strategically today. Uh, and there are a lot of other attributes. So, yeah, I do think Mike Shanahan is a no-brainer Hall of Famer. They've never given me a vote. I used to have a bully pulpit for eight years at NFL Network because I was on all the shows. Now I have no vote and less of a bully pulpit, but I do have a book, so everyone look for that next fall. Yeah, and a place with the Chronicle, and you know you're always welcome here to make that point. Mike Silver joining us. I'm going to look forward to that book. That's going to be a great book and a great read. He is a columnist with the San Francisco Chronicle, a partner at Backstage Media. He is Michael Silver. Mike, really appreciate you. Happy New Year, bro. We'll do it again soon. Right back at you, Jim. Thanks so much. Take care, bud. Mike Silver joining us. Good stuff. Good content. I like it. Nobody likes that, though, as much as James Kelly, the surrogate son of Mike Shanahan. Kelly, one of the tightest cheapskates ever, would pay any amount of money for that book. Dude, you are so geeked right now, JK. All right, when we come back, I'll take your thoughts on any of that. Eagle fan, you got to be infuriated, but he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Mike Silver just said, if I'm anybody in the NFC, I'm trying to do the math. The math that would enable me to play the Eagles in the first round. Anywhere, anytime. He's not wrong. Look at him. I also like him calling Matt Patricia the worst assistant in the NFL last year. Right behind him, Joe Judge. Nothing says panic like switching out your D coordinator late in the season for the Ticonderoga who comes in and makes it worse. Mark Pope is the head coach at BYU. Man, they're off to a great start. And they're about to start conference play, which is going to be really interesting. He joins me when we come back. If you're on hold, stay there. It's good phone call day. 1-800-636-8686. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. All right, so right now we are efforting Mark Pope. He is the head basketball coach at BYU. We're going to try and set that up via Zoom. And BYU is out really quickly. They had a great non-conference season, so I'll have that for you momentarily. Let's see here really quickly. Jimbo. Just got back from a great holiday vacation myself. Turned on the show and hearing your voice. I wanted to remind the clones not to take this Hall of Fame show and host for granted. Cherish every damn day with iconic sports experience. Life gives and life takes away. All the best to you and yours in this next trip around the sun, my brother. Brother. Jim in Tucson, really nice. A little heavy, but very nice. 
Now, gratitude's important. Gratitude and perspective are really important. Appreciate that. This one says, callers' ages should not be show fodder. Signed, Walt in Fort Myers, age 67 and a half. And a 30-year listener back to X690. I agree. That's why you guys don't need to be calling here and announcing your age or signing your emails with your age. You're aging me and you're aging the show. No offense. It's too much to ask. Let's have the over-under at like, I don't know, 90. If you're over the age of 90, I don't want to know. All right. We do not have him via Zoom, but I've got him on the phones, and I'll take him anywhere I can get him. He is the head basketball coach at BYU. He is now in his fifth season and has won at least 19 games in each of the last four years. As a player, he spent six years in the NBA. He played for the Pacers, the Bucks, and the Nuggets. BYU out quickly this year. They've won 12 of their first 13. They're currently ranked number 12 in this week's AP poll. They're hosting Cincinnati on Saturday. Of course, I'm talking about Mark Pope. Mark, it is awesome to have you as always. What's going on, Mark? How are you? Jim Rome, I'm doing so good, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm trying to jump on the Zoom for the last two minutes, and I have butterflies, man. Like, I'm embarrassed to say that. I freaking, I, 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 you know, you talk about 30-year listener. You could put me on that list. And, um, like, I'm super hyped to be on the show, man. It feels like my dream, you know, I, I, I played, well, I sat on the bench one year for the Knicks, and my dream of dreams, I thought, like, I would have fully arrived if I ever could have done something bad enough or great enough to get on the back cover of the post. And this is right there, man. I'm hyped to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Man, you're the best. You're something else. I mean, you've, you've said things like that before, Mark. You and I, we, we go back far enough that you don't need to reset that, but I always appreciate hearing it. Listen, your team is off to an amazing start. In fact, it's the program's best start since the 87-88 season. You have the nation's best scoring margin at 29 points per game. You're ranked in the top 15 pretty much like everybody outside the program called it. Am I right? Yep, that's what the prognosticators were saying. Uh, it's been su- it's been super fun for us right now. Um, you know, we we, uh, we just have a bunch of guys that are really committed to each other and and um, are, are really trying and signed up for a multi year project, which is which is so it's it's like becoming crazy rare in college basketball that you have guys that are willing to do that and. And uh, certainly early in the season, um, these guys have, have balled out and, and, and we're about to start this next uh, daunting journey. And, and I got a lot of confidence in my guys, so I'm excited to see, see what we can do in this league. I know what you're talking about. I can't wait to ask you about the league, and I will in a minute. Mark Pope is my guest. Mark, when you mentioned that you've got a bunch of guys that are bought in for a multi-year commitment, that is the biggest thing, right? That continuity, that consistency. How did you get that buy-in from this group? Well, we, we, you know, we, it's interesting because we, we um, you know, our first uh, few years here, we, we were ranked in the top 25 our first three years here. And we, we, at the same time, we felt like we weren't even close to being a top, you know, a final four team, which is something that we've never done at BYU. That's a dream of every program in college basketball and certainly something that we have on our radar that we're shooting for. And so, uh, we also knew we were going to move into this Big 12 in, in a couple years, and and so we we, you know, we did the dumbest thing in the world, which is we went super young last year and kind of just said, hey, 
we're going to try and at least go into this league with where we have some familiarity with our roster, where we know our guys and they know us, and we've been in the system for a year. And and um, and then it's like every coach in America and every team in America is just you. You jump into the spring and you just uh, you just you're just hoping that your guys love each other enough and love the experience enough that they're willing to stick around and, and play. And, um, you know, we had a core group that was like, yep, we want to run this back and do it again. And, and, you know, we, we have a core group that will be back again next year. And, and so, um, it's a, it's a little bit of a distinct approach to, to what college basketball has driven us all to do. And, and, and so far it's been really fun, man, but, it doesn't happen without incredible, you know, we have really, really good players and we have better human beings, better people. We have really special people on this, in this program from all over the world. And uh, it's an exciting group. And we're excited about, you know, growing together for the next couple of years. You know, it sounds like coach speak, but it's not. Not in your case, Mark. I know this. Mark Pope joining us. When you mentioned you've got guys from all over the world, it really is true. You've got a player from Mali. You've got a player from Egypt. You've got a player from Tanzania. You've got a 26-year-old in Spencer Johnson, who is the second oldest player in Division One ball. What is it like then to coach a team that's so diverse with players from so many different backgrounds? Well, it's, it's, it's become a real gift for me because I don't have to do much right now. Um, you know, you, you talk about Spence and, and you talk about the road that he's traveled to get where he is, um, you know, and he's just one of a bunch of coaches on the floor. You know, we have this, this Ali Khalifa, you know, we're, we're trying out nicknames. We're kind of wrestling with the Egyptian magician right now. If you've had a chance to watch his film, it's, it's really true. Um, you know, he's the first player I've ever heard of in my life that halfway through the season – as a seven-footer, has an eight-assist, one-turnover game. Eight-assist, one-turnover. And it just destroyed his assist-to-turnover ratio for the season. <laughs> so, you know, we got a bunch of guys like that that are kind of bought into to, to, um, to doing this. And they, they work really well together, and they bring all different worldviews. And that's actually been a strength for our team and, and uh, everything in the middle. It's pretty great. BYU head coach Mark Pope is joining us. So you played incredibly well at a conference. You mentioned what it's going to be like to go into conference. On that point, I spoke with a couple of other Big 12 coaches recently in Houston's Kelvin Sampson and Oklahoma's Porter Mosier. Full transparency, I love both those guys like I love you too. They both told me that this year's Big 12 is the deepest conference they have ever been a part of. I mean, I don't actually need to see the start of conference play to know that this league is a freaking meat grinder. You've got six teams currently ranked nationally. How does the conference look to you top to bottom right now? Well, I mean, I'll give you a sense. Is West Virginia um, is, is the, the team, one of the teams in the conference that hasn't got out to its traditional great start. And they just got two guys eligible, well, three guys eligible uh, that are all superstar players. And, 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 you know, going into conference, you're thinking maybe that's the, the one team you have a chance to beat. And, <laughs> And they just got three superstars added to their roster, right? And so um, it, it's awesome. You know, as, as a coach and an athlete, you couldn't ask for any more. Um, it, it's a, an adjustment for us to understand that every single scout we do right now is going to be um, like the best players in the country and the best teams in the country, every single one. There's, no, there's nowhere to breathe. And uh, it, it's an incredible opportunity for our guys and for us as a staff and for, for our BYU community. So, Mark, before you go, how fired up are your guys? I mean, you obviously, you always want to measure yourself against the best, or to be the best, you got to beat the best. How fired up are your guys to get into conference play and see what it feels like and to show everybody what they have? 
I think the guys are super excited. Um, you know, they, they've had a really good non-conference, uh, have done what they need to do. I think, I think we have forged an identity that is familiar to our guys. And um, I think we're also super humble. I mean, we know exactly what we're getting into. Like, you know, uh, <laughs> losing streaks are a part of this league also. And, um, and, but it's everything you dream of as an athlete. We can't wait to get started. Let me ask you one last thought. You were a great college player. You won a national championship with Kentucky in 1996. That team, of course, was coached by Rick Pitino, who's still going strong at St. John's at the age of 71. Mark, what was your biggest takeaway from playing for him? And do you have any idea where this guy gets that insane energy even at this age? It's great. I mean, listen, coach wins everywhere, every time. It's unbelievable. And and you know if I was gonna if I was gonna cue him up in one word it's just relentless he just will not stop and he re you know he's he's got this incredible ability about retelling the story the way it needs to be told like he'll retell it doesn't matter what happens he's gonna retell the story and point his guys in the direction of win it just is it's breathtaking to watch man I don't know if we've ever seen a coach do it the way he does it. Uh, as successfully as he does it for as long as he does it it's 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 incredible I, I got. Endless love for Coach. So one quick thought. I mean, is it is he just doing what he's always done and he's relentless? How much has he changed or morphed or evolved with the changing game? Well, he's evolved so much. So, you know, when I was with him in Kentucky, we pressed every single possession, every single second of every single game. And it was man-to-man. We had one game only in my entire tenure with him, one game only where we um, – where we actually went into a zone. It was against a great Alabama team, and it threw him for a loop. And then he won a national championship at Louisville uh, 100% um, playing a zone, a really devastating kind of matchup, change-up, spread-the-floor zone. It's just one example of how he's morphed uh, in his tenure. It, it just is, uh, he's been a revolutionary coach. Uh, you know, he was the first guy to fully, fully embrace the three-point line um, and and when it was introduced, he was just ahead of the curve, and he's kind of stayed ahead of the curve in everything he does. I keep trying to let you go, but you keep saying interesting things. One last thought, one quick follow. If you know anything about you, you know your guys are going to shoot it, and they're going to shoot it from beyond the arc. And the other thing I know is shooters love to shoot. How much has that offensive approach helped you in recruiting in that regard? Well, I think it's really important. You know, BYU is the institution of faith. And and there's a lot of faith involved in shooting. It fits. It fits for us. And um, and you know the volume that we're getting up is really the is is really the most important thing. The volume of shots. Uh, we're trying to stay well over 30 every single game. And then our guys are following up by being voracious on the offensive glass. And that's a package that guys love. Our guys love it because there's so many shots. Everybody's getting them. And, and I, I think recruits love it because it gives them the freedom to go put everything they have to bring to the table on the court. So hopefully it'll be a winning equation. We're about to find out, my friend. We're about to find out. Can't wait to see it. Mark Pope is the head basketball coach at BYU. My man, I appreciate you so much. I can't wait to see you in the new conference. Good luck with everything. And I hope we can do it again soon. Tons of love, John. Jim. Thanks, brother. You got it. Mark Pope. <laughs> love him. Always love talking to him. All right, so BYU, they're off to a great, great start. They've won 12 of their first 13 out of conference, but they're going into Big 12. And the reason I mentioned, hey, you guys, obviously everybody outside the program saw that coming, right? Yeah, no, he knew. He knew what I was talking about. They were picked to finish next to last in conference play. That's how deep that conference is. That's how wicked that conference is. Can't wait to see it. 
Love the energy, too. All right, so really good back-to-back interviews at the top of hour number two. We had Mike Silver, we had Mark Pope, and now we have open phones. Any reaction, any topic you want. Hey, by the way, nice job staying on hold. All the lines are still lit, with the exception of one or two. So, guaranteed phone calls when we come back. Also, 1-800-636-8686. If you missed hour number one, what I did do was talk about the Patriots and their situation. I want to talk about Mike Vrabel. Not as it relates to the Pats per se, but as it relates to the Titans and Mike Vrabel. He had an incredible exchange with a reporter. One of my favorite guys, Mike Vrabel. I'll have that for you and guaranteed phone calls coming up. But first, I've got a sports update for you. Here it is. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Clones, not all beef jerky is the same. By now you know that. Old Trapper is old-fashioned, teriyaki, hot and spicy, and peppered. All come in four-ounce bags so you can sample different flavors to find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Quick reminder, we've got the ATP coming up, so I'm looking for those submissions. Hit me up with any question. First questions of the year. Also, the first Jim Rohn podcast of 2024 is episode 295. Kurt Warner is going to be my guest. That's going to push out a little bit later on today. All right, so new topic. Hang in there if you're on hold. I just want to bring up a new topic. Titans fans, I've got bad news. And this is a pretty big Tennessee Titan house. Has been for a while. I have bad news, though, in the sense that I'm guessing the majority of you hope that your team loses Sunday against Jacksonville. That way, that would improve your draft status come draft time, right? However... The dude coaching your team hates to lose. The dude coaching your team plans to do Duval and the Jags 0.0 favors in their win-and-get-in week 18 game that they find themselves in. They're another one that's in win-and-get-in in that situation. Of course, the coach I'm talking about is my guy Mike Bleeping Vrabel. And yes, Titan fans, I've looked at your draft status. I know your situation. In all likelihood, your team could end up picking somewhere between number four and number eight. Meaning, there is a big incentive to take one last L. Incentive being, you get a better shot at grabbing one of the two stud tackles that could help with that historic ass of a line that you have right now. Maybe you want a playmaker. Maybe you get a crack at Marvin Harrison Jr., when he finally does get around to declaring. Or maybe you reset with one of the available quarterbacks if you think that Will Levis is not the guy. In other words, plenty of incentive to lay down, start your offseason early, and jockey for a better draft position. And then let the Jags, who almost let their season slip away, remain the kings of the AFC South. However, if you think that any of that has entered Mike Vrabel's mind, then you don't know this dude. And there's no way I'd be bringing that notion 
anywhere near Mike Vrabel. But somebody did. And it didn't go all that well for that person. However, it went pretty great for everybody else. Gentry Estes of the Tennessean broached the subject with Mike Vrabel. And Vrabel went from zero to F-bomb in about three seconds. Check out this incredible exchange. Because it sucks to lose, Gentry. Trey, you ever need to show you anything? Uh, Did you have another thought or no? I'm just curious. Why? Well, it uh, it f***ing sucks. Losing. Awful. That's why I want to win. Because you don't sleep. You want to win for the players that bust their tail. That's it. I mean, got that, Gentry? Because it sucks to lose, Gentry. Any more thoughts, my guy? Gentry. It effing sucks. Listen, Listen to what he does there, Alvin. Just the first part of that. He goes, because... And you can just tell, like, he's just gritting his teeth. Because it sucks to lose. Because it sucks to lose. And then before Gentry. moving on, he doubles Great, back with, any other thoughts on that, Gentry? Gentry. It f***ing sucks. And just to hammer home the point. And that always sucks to lose. It bleeping sucks. It f***ing sucks. Straight up F-bomb. Gentry. An oppressor. And what did I say? Not Mike Vrabel, Mike bleeping Vrabel. That is an incredible exchange. And Mike did go on to detail what it means to be in a competitive situation regardless of the team's record, that they have a standard. But the gold part of that was the exchange itself. In fact, that might be his most incredible moment in front of a mic since he told Will Compton and Taylor Lewan on their podcast that they may as well go ahead and chop their dongs off because after being married for a certain period of time, you won't be needing or using them anyway. Would you cut your d- off for a Super Bowl? Oh, been married 20 years. Yeah, probably. You've got three. <clears throat> as a player, I guess we'll be married for 20 years one day. Would you, would, if, if you, 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 won't, you, won't, you, need, you won't need it. Would she be upset? She'd probably be on board. She would be like, do you want me to do it? <laughs> You want to do it now? Incredible. I've been... He said, once you've been married 20 years, you probably won't need it. She'd probably be on board, right? She'd probably be like, you want to do it now. She would be like, do you want me to do it? (laughs) You want to do it now? He said that about his wife. She'd be like, do you want me to do it? Do you want to do it now? So what I'm saying is that exchange that I just played for you is the best I've heard since that exchange. Gentry. But then again, I've always been a huge Mike Vrabel guy. Did anybody expect anything different from this guy? He's one of the most competitive dudes ever. He won those three Super Bowls as a player. His teams in Tennessee have always overachieved, always. And I know it's frustrating for Titan fans who want a top selection in a draft for once. Except Vrabel is not going to lay down for anybody. He's not wired like that. He's not built like that. That's not who that dude is. He's never going to give in, ever. This dude never takes a step back. This dude never retreats. Yes, they got the top blown right off of them Sunday against Houston. But 
you'll remember, the previous two games, they lost by a combined six points. And those were after their historic rally to beat the Dolphins in Miami week 14. So, yes, they're 5-11. and 11, But let me just say this. They're the best 5-11 and 11 team I've ever seen. And I don't mean that as a joke. Well, partly. My point is, this dude is not laying down for anybody. They compete. They fight. They battle every freaking week. Of course, they've taken on the personality of their head coach. This year, Vrabel's team has seven one-score losses overall. That tells me two things. They show up every single week and they battle, and that's why he's so pissed. Seven one-score losses this year. They're that close, and they just can't finish. Oh, one more thing. Because losing bleeping sucks. Because it sucks to lose. Gentry. Trey, you ever need to show you anything? Uh, Did you have another thought or no? I'm just curious. Why? It f***ing sucks. Losing. Awful. That's why I want to win. Because you don't sleep. You want to win for the players that bust their tail. That's it. I'm not going to second guess anybody. And Gentry, my dude, I know you're just doing your job. I get Gentry. it. I get it. But you had to know that guy was not going to tap out. And then when he, when he came back with, do you have another thought? Did you have another thought? Or no, you you got to just swallow your pride at that point saying, I'm good, coach. Gentry. I'm good. Because you know he was setting him up for that. He's not tapping out. It's not in his DNA. He doesn't care about the draft position. Yes, there may be issues with the GM. There's something going on there. My point is, this is Mike Vrabel. That was an incredible exchange. And Duvall, Queen Nika, sorry, but they're not handing anything to you. Your Jags are going to have to earn the South title and that playoff berth because there is nothing Vrabel would like more than to wreck your season, and nothing he hates more than to lose. It f***ing sucks. Losing. You know this dude's bent. That's why I want to win. If he's just going to let that F-bomb fly right there in a presser like that. Thought or no, I'm just curious. Like, you know who the hell I am? Are you really asking me? Is there some benefit to losing? Even though, I don't want to get on the wrong side of the big fella, but there is a benefit to losing. The, the benefit of losing is a higher draft pick. But the guy's not built for it. He's not wired for it. It's not in his DNA. Gentry. So don't expect them to roll over. Gentry. God, Gentry. The way he hit Gentry. It sucks to lose. Gentry. Here we go. Here's some Titan reaction already. I like that. I like it when I get reaction even before the end of a thought. This says, been a Titans fan since they moved to Nashville in 99. I absolutely agree with Vrabel. The draft is a lottery. I don't care about the pick. A true Titan fan will do whatever to make sure that Jacksonville does not make the playoffs. Brad in Nash wore the Will Levis gun show. They may have their quarterback. I can't say. I don't know. They may think they have him. They have other needs. They have a high draft pick. They have opportunities. I just know Mike Vrabel, and there's no way that guy's thinking to himself, you know what? Hey, man, we really need that pick. Hell no. 
Not if you know anything about Vrabel. And, and that's no act either. For him letting loose on Gentry the way he did. Gentry. That's no act. Jamie and Green Bay's in. Is Vrabel's wife's name Lorena? That really was an absolutely incredible exchange that he had with Compton and Taylor Lewan. She would be like, do you want me to do it? <laughs> they said to him, would you chop off your dong for a ring? Would you cut your dong like, for a Super Bowl? Oh, been married 20 years. Yeah, probably. You've got three. <clears throat> As a player. I've been married, married 20 years, years probably, he said. Yeah, but you got three. Hey, fellas, once you've been married 20 years, this is him. This is not me. Let's be very clear about that, DJ. This is him, not me. He's going, hey, fellas, once you've been married 20 years, you'll know. You no longer have a need for it. Sweetheart. She probably would say, you want me to do it? You want to do it now? Incredible. All right, when we come back, now I only have one phone line open. That's a good sign. No one's hanging up. I love it. Gentry. All right, I know I said guaranteed phone calls that segment. What I meant was guaranteed phone calls next segment. Hour number three, straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> 